Dungeons and Drimbus is rated R for rude language, rough violence, and raunchy humor. I do declare here's what happened previously on Dungeons and Drimbus. After being released under Jeremy Beremy's supervision, the attorneys, now including Kit and Twigs, devise a way to get disappeared. Jeremy Beremy pulled some strings with his friend Georgie at Air Dragon. Gary and Tony meet an eccentric but generous bush fairy. Jessica finds some gold. And Thomas discovers his fear of flight, which Jessica quickly assuages with the help of a little magic before they mount up on the wyvern and head towards a pier. I do declare, Your Honor is back in session. Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hey everyone, it is your friendly neighborhood GM, John Carlo Herrera here, and today I wanted to tell you about an awesome show called Looters. It is an actual play podcast where a hilarious cast of friends go on dramatic, action-packed, sci-fi western adventures in a universe full of different factions vying for control over the Outer Rims. I love a good sci-fi western mix, the cast is so much fun to listen to, and it's played on the Stars Without Number game system, which is really fun to hear in audio. I really think listeners of Drimbus would enjoy it, so please check out this trailer, and if it intrigues you, go check them out at looterspodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Alright, enjoy. Hey, we're the Looters. Hey, what's up? Looters is a sci-fi western actual play podcast using the Stars Without Number system. We're a group of friends getting into trouble all over the universe. So come with us if you're into adventure. A rocket flies out of one of these ships far behind you and crashes into the wall and blows up. There's rockets? It's Mario Kart. Crazy. Intrigue. Can I hack into the body and maybe see if they have, like, a memory data bank in their brain or some shit like that that I can access? That'll literally. <laughs> Devastating physical injury. <laughs> Just uh, take cover. Okay. She's a good pilot, everyone. Very good. She's very good. And friendship. New episodes of Looters out every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. You soar high above the ground for nearly two hours. Initially, as you ride out of Brookhaven, you see these more densely packed urban areas. You fly just around Opula, and you see the big skyline that leads out into the sea as it glistens. And then you head more inland as you fly near a mountain range, and then continue through the kind of more flatlands of the Eastern Orgaic region. At one point, as you look over the side of the wyvern, you go, oh... 
I think that's the courthouse. As you fly over it, and then you continue heading for a few more minutes toward the east. As the wyvern comes closer and closer to the ground, you begin to see the sights of Sapir. The Ostrogon Tower. You do see the Ostrogon Tower jutting out above the clouds, and the wyvern (laughs) circles around it and then lowers itself down into the fields behind the farmland, and you are free to dismount. I shake Thomas awake. As I'm unstrapping myself to uh, dismount. No, 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 I don't. I don't want. I don't want to eat a hot dog. Thomas, wake up. Uh, Thomas. Not you, mom. Hello. I'm not your mom unless you want me to adopt you. Uh. <laughs> D- absolutely, Jessica. Where are we? What's what's going on? We're in the town of Sapir now, silly. I put you to sleep with magic. Oh, thank God. We're here. I'm alive. I'm alive, right, Jessica? Yeah, you are, unless we're all dead, which could be the case, but that would be a different show. Okay, I'm going to step off the wyvern now. (laughs) Gary tries to untie his strapping in, but the knot is like too tight and weird, and he just clipped his nails, so he's just going to kind of worm his way out of the strapped seat and leave it like tied up and walk off of the wyvern. Yeah, so you see the wyvern, once you are all off, uh, and it takes twigs quite a while, and twigs is towards the back. (laughs) So it's kind of like when you're on an airplane and the people in the front take forever to <laughs> unload their baggage and then walk off. So Twigs takes forever to move. And then finally the rest of you rush off. And the wyvern kind of spreads its wings open and lowers its chest down to the ground so that the horse's hooves are on the floor. And then Jeremy goes and helps you all unbuckle your horses. Tony, because he's so small, his hooves aren't quite on the ground. So as you unhook it, he kind of does like a little barrel roll in the air and just barely manages to land on his hooves, but they're all like splayed out awkwardly. And he goes, <laughs> Yeah, right? How was that? <laughs> he starts prancing around. Oh, yeah. It was <laughs> adrenaline rush, yeah. And the wyvern kind of like turns itself around to look at you guys and kind of like nods at you to be like, are we good? Wait, did we only pay for a one-way ticket? Oh my God. <laughs> I thought we paid for a round trip. Yeah, that guy was under the impression we would be coming back to the same spot. The wyvern raises an eye. Do any of you speak draconic? Yes, I know all languages. What? Uh, Oh, you know all languages? Yes. All of them? With a spell, maybe, right? Oh, I got to use my spell. One moment, please, as I pull up my spell. (laughs) I speak the common tongue, and I also speak goblin. What? Yeah, Gary. When did you learn goblin? Well, I traveled abroad for a couple of years in my university days and, you know, went to a couple of goblin towns. Towns? Uh, it was a wonderful experience. Yeah. Goblin towns. They're more... Goblin towns. They're more like... Goblin towns. Goblin towns. All right. <laughs> Sheesh. <you> sh- <laughs> Do they work, live in towns? I, I got the impression that... Gary, roll history. Critical fail. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I look in my, diction, my my history book and it just says, nope. Jessica, roll history. Goblins, chapter four. Nope. <laughs> I rolled a 12 for history. So, Jessica, you kind of know just because you're from there that Rabbit Cove over on the West Coast is quite a ways away. Your area is located near far more liberal settlements, so to speak. Mm. And so when the court system came about and people started trying to integrate the so-called monsters into society, 
you know that your region was one of the first to kind of allow that to happen. And so there are a couple of long-standing goblin towns over by your coast. I don't know where you're from, Jessica, but where I'm from, goblins aren't really given that much uh, free reign, if you know what I mean. Over there where I live near Rabbit Cove, you know, that whole area, the west coast and things, we do things just a little different than over here in the eastern Orgaic region and, of course, the greater areas around it. But, uh, you know, we try to find similarities, commonalities between ourselves, you know? Can I comprehend language now, or is it a waste of time? (laughs) (laughs) You can cast comprehend language. So I can understand all languages with comprehend language. It does not say I could speak it back, though, which is the unfortunate part. Okay, and the wyvern looks at you like it makes some big bellowing noises that everyone hears. And Thomas, you hear... Do any of you speak Draconic? And I wave my hand up, say, me, I do. Ah, you, little red man, hi. Uh, yo. Yo. Listen, my boarding information just said to fly you guys over here. I was told it was a one-way trip. And I I shake my head, no, two, two. I hold up the number two, two ways. (laughs) Roll a deception for me. I got a 14, and then let me add deception. Oh, plus 6, 20. Unnatural 20. Well, it rolled a nat 20, so it it goes... Okay, clearly you did some funky magic stuff. Listen, the boarding pass is never wrong. (laughs) This guy sounds grumpy, and I start rubbing his belly like, You need a poop? Is that what's going on here? You need a poop, big guy? Yeah. <laughs> the wyvern falls on its side. Oh my! And then rolls over onto its stomach. Oh my! I'm gonna keep rubbing it. <laughs> That's a good wyvern. Good boy. Yeah. It pieces up a little bit. Oh! Oh! Wait, did he get a bush? Do we get a coin now for his pee? <laughs> Do we get a coin? <laughs> So Wyvern, there's more tickles. He can't understand me. There's more tickles in store. If <laughs> she take us back. I gently pat his belly. All right, you oh. let it out. Good for you. There oh. you go. Can I cast Minor Illusion to show him my boarding pass that says two-way trip? <laughs> yes, I'm going to do that. <laughs> okay. The boarding pass is never wrong. <laughs> Uh, he rolls a six on the intelligence check. <laughs> so you cast Minor Illusion, your favorite spell, and conjure up a fake leather pouch where you unzip it and you're holding the boarding passes for everyone. It says round trip, and you show it to the wyvern who is still like laughing. What's up? And he inspects the boarding passes. He puts his massive skull down to your hand. And, like, he could blink and, like, shred the boarding passes from how big this wyvern is. But he rolls a six on that investigation and goes, Oh, yeah, I got you. I guess they've been misprinted mine. Uh, cool. I'll be here, I guess. And he curls up. Hooray. Oh, we did it. Thank you, Thomas, for arranging for our return travel. Shall we uh, go start this investigation, eh? Jeremy leans into you and goes, what did you do? Yeah, what did you do? I just had a little chat with our wyvern friend, that's all. He didn't say anything. I didn't have to, Jeremy. We understand each other, me and the wyvern here. After flying, soaring through the air like I did on his back, on his scales, we have a bond now, a connection that... 
can't be broken. As this is happening, you guys begin walking towards Sapir proper. You're just behind the farm fields, and you hear a rustling in the crops. No, not again. (laughs) (laughs) Was that Jeremy telling us that? Did Jeremy tell us this? You hear a rustling in the crops. (laughs) Like, no, I don't, Jeremy. (laughs) Job? Job? Job, is that you? It's my favorite lawyers. Hi, it's me. It's Daddy Job. Hi, Job. Nice to see you again. How are things? He's very chipper now. You seem to have turned over a real leaf here. I'm so proud of you. Yeah. You smiling's a little creepy. Could you go back to the way you were before? No. Okay. Thank you, though. You're welcome. What are you what, what are you doing here on a wyvern? Wow. Can I talk to him? Oh, yeah, they can probably... Oh, should they talk? Can you? I mean, like, am I allowed to? I mean, I don't see why not, but uh, we actually were here to, um, unfortunately, uh, do you remember Kat Hara from the courtroom? Yeah. Well, uh, allow me to introduce her brother and an associate of hers. This is Kit Hara. Hi, Kit. This is uh, Twigs. Hi, Twigs. And he holds out his hand, and you see... Twigs very slowly extends one to meet him as everyone watches, waiting for it to just end. He grabs the hand, he does one shake up, and one shake down, and then a shake back up to the middle, and then releases the hand. Wow. They're the ones that were in business with uh, the Ramifs, and uh, I'm sure maybe you've actually even met them through uh, dealings, although I'm not sure when they come to pick up the crops. I'm afraid I've only dealt with Miss Hera, but it's a pleasure to finally meet you all. She said very good things. How is she? Uh, Well, she's dead. Oh. Yeah. And uh, we're just here to check. Investigate her murder. We're here to find out who killed my sister. Yeah, what what this very emotional brother just said. Don't worry, you're not on our suspect list. We just happened to land out back here and we ran into you. But uh, we were actually looking for uh, Mr. McNeil. Is he at his tavern? Uh, Do you know? Well, I'm I'm sorry to hear that, uh, Mr. Hera. Uh, if if I, if I can do anything for you, me or, or the wife and, and, and the kiddo, uh, you just you let me know. Oh. But, you have a wife and child already, Job? I, it's, I, it's gotta be me and Juniper, isn't it? <gasps> and now here it comes. It has everyone's favorite part Motherfucking halftime ad Hey everybody, welcome to the halftime ad with Nick B I'm gonna be guiding you through this So we're gonna get in and out of here real quick Here we go Today's episode is brought to you in part by Only Crits Only Crits is one of our favorite places to get dice and dice accessories Like their uh, transparent panda dice set Um, They include a free adventure with every purchase, and you can get 10% off by using code DRIMBUS. But let's hear what our favorite hot Hexblood wizard has to say about them. Wow, I didn't know we got Jessica Lang on this show. Hi, sexy. My name is Jessica. What are you doing right now? I know a big fan like you can't wait to get your hands on my dice. You'll love the way they feel in your hands. But there's a new way to meet hot dice sets in your area. Only. 
only crits. The best part of any fantasy adventure is a new set of pristine dice for you to share it with. They even have a subscription mystery set so you'll never know what is coming till it arrives. But when they do, you can bet your ass that I'll let you do whatever you want with them. We can play all night long. Now you can find that special set by going to onlycrits.com. Don't hesitate. Order now. And with every purchase, you get a free, exhilarating adventure sure to make your heart race and do fantasy just the way you like it. Use the code DRIMBUS to get 10% off your next order and help support the show. I know you want to, baby. Once again, check out OnlyCrits.com and use code DRIMBUS to get 10% off your order and support a show. Not just any show, our show. This show, Dungeons and Drimbus Show Show. And uh, that said, I want to give a big thank you to these hot wizards here. Jerry Benetados, Queso Loco, John Mitchell, Kevin Doubler, Terrence Knox, Victoria Madrid, Greta and Beignet, Alejandro Lopez, Ace Andrews, and Ms. Craig, Ben B, Thomas Murphy, Regina Russell, Lazy Tortoise, and that's a scary wizard right there, and Matthew Holly. Matthew Holly. All right. Thank you guys so much. Now get back in that sh- get back in that show. Get in there. Get back in there. Job, who's your wife? Why Mia, of course. What the hell? Dang, you guys that uh, you moved fast there, didn't you? Yeah, she really got over that uh that unfortunate incident, huh? You, you told me to be a daddy, so, so I'm doing it. Well, you know what they say, when you go kobold, you don't go back. <laughs> yeah, anyways, uh, as far as Mr. McNeil, no, I'm, I, I, yeah, he, he actually left uh, a few hours ago. Uh. I'm still hung up on the whole Mia Juniper thing. Mia tried to kill you. You're aware of that, right? I'll go get him. And he runs into the fields <laughs> towards the house. <laughs> Hey, sweetie! Hey, just because someone tries to kill you one time, Thomas, doesn't necessarily mean there isn't something there. Jessica, I, normally I'm very composed about this sort of thing, but th- this is highly disturbing behavior. <laughs> I've seen more disturbing. You don't think she's still charmed, do you? That shit wears off, right? No, she can't be. We took that away. That only lasts an hour. As you guys walk through the fields of the coffee beans, you see Twigs lucks one of the beans and shoves it up his nose and gives it a sniff. <laughs> And then he puts a finger to the other nostril and shoots it back out. And goes, the kobold has done some excellent work. And then from out of the house, you see Joe dragging Mia by the wrist. And Mia's looking very annoyed and goes, Joe, please, come on. Come on, sweetie. Stop calling me that. Uh, uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Look, they're here. And Mia looks at you and goes, oh. Hi. Um, good, good to see you. Uh, uh Job, sweetie, why, why don't you uh, keep go go back into the fields? Let me catch up with them. Yeah, 
All right. Holler at me if you need anything, sweetness. And he runs into the fields. It was nice meeting you, Jove, again. Yeah, let me know if you want to stay for dinner. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. All right. Wait, Gary, we do not have time for that. Al, can we get, like, to go, maybe? I don't know. Uh, I I can possibly give you Mia, something. Mia, please. Don't, Hi. Don't, please. Hi. Uh, don't worry about all that. Um, it's uh, obvious that uh, Job here is really just kind of committed to turning over a new leaf. Yeah. And perhaps uh, we misread the situation when we first saw him. Yeah. Um, What's going on? He's really committed to, quote, being a daddy so uh he's just working for you now is this of his own yeah yeah did the court decide this or is this his own doing no i mean he was a free man but he really insisted on kind of making up for his actions uh and miss hara oh are you hello my name's kit and i am twigs scattle any relation yeah i'm Cats, brother. Yeah, you guys look familiar. Um, is he okay? Not quite. Unfortunately, um, Cat passed away, and by passed away, I mean she she was most likely brutally murdered. murdered. Yeah. Oh my! You guys really get caught up in some nasty stuff, huh? Ah, uh, well, occupational hazard, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I I guess before I get into it, I just want to say I'm I'm sorry for, you know, everything on the stand. Just. You have to understand, we were desperate, and... No hard feelings from me, hon. Don't you worry. You know, sometimes when you're in the throes of grief, you just can't help but lash out sometimes. I completely understand, you know. After my husband passed, oh, jeez, I'll tell you, it was quite the just, oof, horrendous time. I'm sure. Anyways, all that is to say, uh, it, it's, it's still fresh, uh... But I, I appreciate you guys trying to do the right thing. Anyways, yeah, yeah. to answer your question, um, yeah, Job has taken over the farming, and he's actually been doing a really excellent job. Uh, and he's been doing extra work all over the place, trying to save up as much as he can to help send Juniper to school. So Keeping away from those moonberries, right? Yeah, no no, no more moonberries. Uh, last of it's gone, actually. Oh, uh, speaking of it going away, uh, how did it go? Oh, you know, funny enough, after the trial with the whole um, micro-dosing thing, uh, Dart came up to me and asked about him, and he uh, he said he wanted to experiment with using moonberry extract for his meadery to see if it added potency. Did he? Yeah. He took all of it? Well, there wasn't much. It was just one vine. He said he was going to make a test batch. Ah, so Mr. McNeil took the moonberries! Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, is is there something going on here? Kit, relax. We don't have enough evidence yet, but this is a very big lead. Get it together, Kit. Be an entrepreneur. I'll level with you here, Mia. Based on our autopsy report, uh, she was killed with moonberries. So, uh, being that this was the last place we uh, were involved with moonberries and due to Kat's um, connection to the town, we figured this might be a good place to look. And uh, hearing this is very distressing, especially... Um, also hearing that uh, the relationship between Mr. McNeil and Miss Hera kind of went south. Did Mr. McNeil happen to mention anything about that when you were chatting with him at all? You don't think Dart killed her, did he? You know, it's too early to say for sure, but it, m- it might have been accidental. Roll of persuasion with advantage. 13. I guess well, I'll, I'll level with you. Valentine had promised us a, a pretty big settlement for the case if it went the other way. I know he and... uh. 
Miss Hera had been planning to move to Opular together with some of that money and expand her business and all of that. So after it went south, he was pretty heartbroken that night. He, he said they had broken things off, and so uh, that was when he asked me for the moonberries. And then uh, yesterday he came back into town and said he was packing up for a bit to go work on, on the extracts at the meadery. Do you know where the meadery is? Yeah, it's about an hour west of here. It's in the woods, basically, but... I mean, you can't miss it. It's a big clearing. It's a, it's a pretty big meadery, actually. Well, Mia, I appreciate all of your help. And, you know, I really hope that Juniper gets to go to uh, art school in Opula. That would just be such a wonderful experience for her. It's really starting to look up now. She um, <laughs> She's starting a new kind of abstract collection inspired by uh, by Ansel. So, Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you so much for your time. We won't take up any more. Uh, I, I'm assuming we didn't have any more questions, gentlemen. Just trying to wonder if he's aware of what he's done. Uh, well, that's all I think that we need. Off to the metery, then. All right. Good luck. Um, oh, God, what is it they say? Uh, may, uh, may justice prevail. <laughs> Thanks, Mia. Appreciate it. You tell Job that we said goodbye now, okay? Oh, uh, will do. And say hi to Jeremy. Jeremy's the fucking... Jeffrey. Jeffrey the pig. <coughs> oh, there he is. Jeffrey runs up to the side of the pet. I'll pat his head. Looking a lot better, pal. <coughs> All right. Let's uh, look for this meadery. You better wash your hands on the way, Gary. After touching those dirty pigs. Hey, those are very clean pigs. Did you see the bows and the braiding on the tail there? (laughs) Juniper takes very good care of those pigs. Yeah. Disgusting. I walk away. (laughs) I hope you're walking west, because that's where we're going. We're off to go to the meadery. (laughs) Are you guys mounting up? Yeah. Yes. I climb on Tony. Tony climbs on Kit. Me and Twigs get up on Wade. I climb on Popcorn. And I'm going to ride off with, I'm assuming, Jeremy and popcorn yeah jeremy is holding you tight by the waist okay loosen up there buddy boy this is a very exciting adventure (laughs) just don't get my soup messed up please i like you guys so i'm giving you the benefit of the doubt but uh i'll let the forgery slide i don't know what you're talking about jeremy bear me but thank you anyway and she gives him a wink back back there with the with the boarding passes you don't speak draconic no but i can read you're letting a lot slide jeremy i don't know i i I feel like we have a lot on you right now listen (laughs) hey don't turn this on me i just it's okay i just want to do some good man as do we jeremy bear me as do we maybe i should have been a lawyer Uh. hey it's never too late for a career change look at me I became a lawyer at, like, 60. You're an inspiration, Miss Felcher. Jeremy, you already are. Right here. And I point at his chest. Gary turns to look at Jeremy and shakes his head no with the the hand cutting at the neck. Like, no, like, not not worth it. Yeah. Uh, All right. (laughs) You ride west for about an hour into these rolling plains and the road becomes a little more wooded as the trees begin to form this almost like canopy over the road. After about 45 minutes or so, you see a very familiar carriage in front of you. However, its canvas top is lit on fire. In the center of the road, you see a dead horse still attached to the carriage. There are hoof marks running off further down the trail. Seated behind the horse, you see a gnome you immediately recognize as Dart McNeil, breathing heavily with a light crossbow in hand. 
You see blood spilling out from his leg where white bone protrudes from his skin. Opposite him, you see three figures approaching, all dressed in dirty leather and linen clothing. There are two clean-shaven goblins with muddy war paint under their eyes. One wields a large, spiked club. The other brandishes a pair of daggers. In the center is a human woman with a heavy crossbow in her arms. She has dirty blonde hair and a tight Viking braid and the same muddy war paint. She sees you, smiles, and says, Magni? Modus, we've got company. What do you do? Why, hello there, everyone. Um, I'm sure that we can all talk about this very calmly. It uh, seems that there was some sort of accident, and uh, Mr. McNeil She points a crossbow here. at you. Okay, well, if we want to do it this way, we can. Are you folks from Norway, by chance? What's that? Any? No? Okay. D- is Dart alive? Dart is alive. He's breathing very heavily. Okay. <laughs> Dart, you okay, buddy? That's the actual that killed my sister! Uh-oh. And oh, you boy. see Kit throws Tony the Pony and Gary off his back. <laughs> and pulls out his crossbow as Jeremy begins sweating profusely and goes, uh, guys. Roll for initiative. 18. Jessica rolls a 10. 7 for Gary. Okay, first up, our Magnian Modus. You see the woman say she kind of surveys everything going on and goes, huh. Focus the hex blood. Yes. Oh boy. And you see Magni and Modus both run up toward Jessica. Oh! Does a 20 hit you? Yeah. Magni swings that big spiked club into your leg at about your knee. It lodges itself in there and you hear a crunch as you take seven points of damage. Fuck me. I only have eight hit points. (laughs) (gasps) Oh no. Does a 19 hit? Yeah, my armor class is a 9. <laughs> well, his second attack misses as Modus lunges at you with two daggers. He swings the first one, you kind of duck out of the way as he buries the second one right into your left rib cage, doing five damage. <laughs> Jessica passes out. <laughs> Thomas, it's your turn. What do you do? Gary, is it time for a tactical retreat? Grab Jessica and hightail it out of here? No. Take care of Jessica. I got this. Oh, well, I... Oh, God, Gary. Okay, I'm gonna take out my crossbow. You begin taking out the crossbow, and Jeremy goes, Wait, 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 wait. No, you can't kill people. Er, wait, it's self-defense. We're technically not even in Brookhaven. I don't know how far my jurisdiction reaches. Jeremy, we don't have time for this. I'm going to take aim. Do something. Just, 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 just do something. Jeremy, can you heal Jessica? I can try. I'm going to take out my crossbow and aim it at Modus. Okay. 17. That hits. Roll for damage. Yes. Six. You lodge a crossbow bolt through Modus's neck. I'm so sorry, sir. <laughs> And Modus falls onto the ground and begins coughing blood. And Magni goes, Modus! No! Now he and Jessica are both bleeding out next to each other on the ground. Both his daggers fall out of his hands as he begins clawing at his neck. Next up is a human woman who sees this shot goes off and goes, Oh, God. All right. 
and aims her heavy crossbow at you. <laughs> and she fires at Thomas. That's a 16 hit. Oh, yeah. Oof. Okay. And you take seven points of piercing damage as she sees this and without hesitation lets a bolt fly and it lodges itself in your midsection. Ow! Ouchie. Jessica, roll a death saving throw. Oof, six. That is your first failure, Jessica. You guys see the blood begin to pool up underneath her. Jeremy is then gonna look at you, kind of shaking, realizing that he can't interfere, and he goes, they can't fault me for helping someone, right? Like, like, like life or death, this isn't even part of the case anymore, right? Right? Right, right. right. And he's going to roll medicine. He puts his hands down over Jessica and holds the biggest wound from one of the daggers kind of shut with his palm to stop the bleeding. And so with his palms over it, Jessica, you stabilize at zero HP. No more death saving throws. Next up is Dart, and Dart is bleeding from his broken leg beneath the horse, and he puts his crossbow out, like almost without even aiming over the back of the horse and fires at the woman, and you see it fly into the woods behind him. Gary, you're up. I hope Tony starts galloping towards the human lady, because that's who I want to attack. Okay, he does so. (laughs) As we gallop, I'm going to unlock my suitcase where my rapier is, and I'm going to pull that out. That's a very long suitcase. Yes. (laughs) It's a collapsible rapier. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. Hey, that's a natural 20. So, Gary, you open your suitcase, you pull out a little, what looks like a dagger, and then you flick it, and it extends into a rapier, and you grab this shield that you bought from Gary with two R's at the shop, but it is lodged in your suitcase because it's too wide, so now you're using the suitcase as a shield as you ride up with the rapier and roll for critical damage. I'm gonna skewer the human lady. (laughs) Holy crap. Then that is 26 damage on the human lady. What the fuck? Gary, you are a lawyer. You are a father. You are a goblin of the civilized age. But there is some instinct in you that cannot be suppressed. As you pull out the rapier that you remember Grizabeth hated when you bought it. But you said you needed it just in case of emergencies. Because you never know what you're gonna run into out on the road. And you skewer the woman into one of the trees as you drive her back. And you see the tip of the blade come out of her back. Tony the war pony keeps riding as she impales herself further and further. Your rapier lodges into the trunk of the tree and then collapses in on itself as you continue driving it through the woman until finally Tony rides too much and your rapier comes off lodged in her body and you see it slices through her torso. Some of her intestines begin to spill out and she dies. Next up is Twigs. And you see Twigs has that big, beautiful cane that you guys saw before and he unscrews it and draws a long sword from it. I will very quickly dispense justice here. Lawman. He walks up to Magni, the spike club wielding goblin. As the goblin has now seen both his companions, one is bleeding out on the ground, the other has just been skewered and killed, and he begins to scurry back and goes, No, 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 no. As Twigs, without hesitation, raises the cane sword up to his neck 
and then latches out in one quick motion, the quickest you've seen him do ever, and decapitates the Magni. Kit walks up to the bleeding goblin and says, You're trying to interfere with justice. That little man deserves to go to jail, not die on the street. And he fires a bolt into Modus's head, killing him. This has been Your Honor. Your Honor features the vocal talents of Nicholas Palazzo as Thomas Phelps, Michael Pisani as Jessica Feltra, and Nicholas Benetados as Gary Markbile. The rest of the world is voiced by your DM, Giancarlo Herrera. This episode was edited by Michael Pisani and Giancarlo Herrera with sound design by Nicholas Benetados. If you'd like to support the show, consider checking out the links in the show notes or go to patreon.com slash drimmers. Our patrons get access to exclusive perks like our after-the-show show, After the Drimbus, where we discuss behind-the-scenes and secrets, free exclusive merch, and the chance to create items for the campaign or have NPCs named after you. Oh, and don't forget to tweet using hashtag Drimbus to be entered to win a free Dungeons & Drimbus sticker. Thank you all so much for listening, and I do declare I'll see you all next week. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. If you're looking for a podcast adventure, check out Dum Dums and Dragons, a podcast where improvisers and comedians who've never role-played before journey into the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Dum Dums and Dragons has been featured on the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast, ranked number two of all fiction podcasts in America, and has been downloaded more than four million times. Dum Dums and Dragons can be discovered anywhere hilarious podcasts can be found. It's like Lord of the Rings, if everyone was an idiot.